Hey there, folks, and welcome to another episode of NBA's Unplugged. I'm your host, Fedge McDermott, and let's get into today, Wednesday, May 13th. So, uh, apologies for the slight, I guess, uh, delay in releases here. Uh, been busy with finals, as I'm sure everyone else has, and now that I'm done with my final final for the year, I can now get back to putting these out in a more regular cadence. So, um... Coming up on announcements, we don't really have any announcements for today. Um, nothing from the program office. Uh, I guess besides a, uh, early congratulations to the class of 2020 for uh, finishing up the term via online virtual learning. I know that was probably a curveball that none of us really wanted or expected, but you know, you guys made through and you guys came out clean on the other side, hopefully. And uh, to that, congratulations, guys. I'm really proud of you. Gonna miss you, though, uh, but I'm sure we'll. We'll see each other again in the near future once this all comes to pass. Um, going off of that, in terms of other events going on, I believe their commencement's happening in some virtual format on Friday. And then on Saturday, we have the first virtual NBA's Battle Royale. So that will be taking place on Saturday, May 16th from 5 p.m. Pacific. Should last about three hours. Uh, if you need more information on that, tickets are available via through campus groups. Um, and what the event really is is around sort of raising money for Doctors Without Borders uh, who are in the middle of fighting all this uh, chaos that we're kind of living through right now. And uh, the basis of it is just bringing together uh, NBA Instagram accounts or uh, influencer sort of uh, meme accounts, essentially, uh, to host a games between all various schools from around the nation for top NBA programs. So we have the likes of uh, Sloan, Wharton, HBS, uh, GSB, Kellogg, Booth, uh, CBS, uh, as well as UCLA, Anderson, and ourselves, I might have been missing one or two in there, uh, in a battle royale, uh, pretty much themed around different game show elements. So there'll be things like a family feud game, there'll be like a Price is Right contest, there'll be uh, Shark Tank, stock pitches, uh, things that can be themed to like an NBA lens essentially uh it's gonna be a really fun time we got our own kyle scott and min Zhao representing uh the usc squad and i am i'm so excited we've been working on so much stuff behind the scenes that we we can't wait to show you all so uh make sure to get out there and buy your tickets again prices start at 12 dollars with all proceeds going to doctors without borders and i believe there are other several options going from 12 to 25 to 50 to even upwards of 100 or 200 by no means am i telling you to do that but I do encourage you, if you are available, to uh, purchase the ticket for the event. And um, for any prospective students out there listening, you are also welcome to come. So uh, this event is open to all people who are interested. Uh, again, I'll, I'll put the link as well directly to buy the tickets in the show description as well. So if you don't have access to campus groups, you can find tickets through there as well. Um, that's it in terms of announcements, really. There's really not going to be much in the way of announcements going forward, I don't think, uh, at least for the next couple of weeks. But uh, now we can start over to the guest portion of our show, which today we will highlight another pre-recorded episode with myself and Scott Englar. So uh, we'll now just jump on over to that. And now getting into the guest portion of today's show, I am joined by yet another member of the infamous Core C, uh, good friend of mine from UT, Scott Englar. How are you doing today, Scott? Hey, what's up, Fetch? <laughs> Nothing much. Hanging in there out there? I am. I try to do a little coursey table bang. I don't know if. It oh. Was- <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it actually like overloaded your mic. <laughs> Perfect. Good. Uh, 
All right. So, uh, how have you been so far with this whole, I guess, uh, quarantine situation in terms of taking classes and stuff? It's good. Um, the classes are fairly, fairly standard. I mean, I think we've all kind of gotten used to it at this point being a month and a half in. Um, I think the big thing is just trying to find a routine. Um, so trying to keep as much of my day to day as as standard as it was compared to school. Um, but been starting to eke out into some hobbies that I didn't have before. Uh, been chopping down trees in my front yard and trying to get into like woodworking and random stuff like that to find out I'm not good at it. Is that what that was? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought so. Yeah, because I guess just dialing back a bit, I saw like on your Instagram story you had like a stump or something out front in your yard. Yeah, and... I um, <laughs> there's been a dead tree in my front yard for like two years now, and I asked the landlord if I could chop it down. So I bought an axe and you know went to town on it on a Sunday and the neighbors came out and were just staring at me like I'm a psycho uh, <laughs> and I ended up breaking the mailbox when I did it because um, we were kind of rushing through it um, so I've taken the top of the mailbox and have now screwed it into the top of the stump so we have a temporary mailbox stump combo <laughs> until the new one comes in oh my god so you bought an axe just for that purpose <laughs> Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a great intro right there. But, uh, uh, so before, before we get more sidetracked there, uh, we want to go into the guest, the guest intro segment. So, uh, now that is a standard on the show, we have about five segments for you to choose from, which we talked about before, uh, the Florida man birthday, the soundboard research, the trivia, the song blitz, and the, will you press the button? So, uh, you get to choose two of those, one which we'll go through now, and then the other which we'll go through at the midpoint in the show. So you know which one you'd like to go to first? Yeah, I am awful at trivia and song knowledge, so I think I'm going to start with the soundboard research, and then we might soundboard research later on. Gotcha. Okay, so again, for the listeners, the soundboard research is pretty much directly uh, related to me sort of creating my own little soundboard here so I can be like a nice little radio disc jockey out here. So uh, I've got a couple of clips played up. Um, the theme around all these clips is pretty much like WWE, like famous rants and riffs. Uh, so you get to listen to these four and then choose one of them that you would like for me to incorporate into my future soundboard. So Great. I am going to unplug my headphones and crank up the volume here so that you can get a good listen. Make sure I don't fucking, them. there we go. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. All right, here's the, here's the first one. Oh yeah. <laughs> that one's oh, a, yeah. <laughs> that one's a pretty easy one. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that one's the macho man, Randy Savage one. Oh, rip. Um, this one I would probably take a segment of it or we can just leave the whole thing <laughs> alright so that one's obviously the infamous Ric Flair doing his woos <laughs> and Yep, I know that that is. And then with one beer, two beers, three beers, a shot of whiskey, a 
a margarita. Bloody Mary. Wow, I love that. That one's a bit long, but could obviously be shortened up to just the one beer. <laughs> oh, out of versatility, I was leaning towards the first one, but I think I got to go with the last one on that. Really? You think you got oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, out of all these, the, the oh yeah one's the easiest. But I, I still think I can get a lot of use out of the beer one. <laughs> I, think, I think when you get the right guests on, you'll be, you'll be good with that. I might send you one of my own, too, of the good old John Cena prank phone call, if you remember that. Back in the day. Oh wait, how did that one go? I don't it's uh, it's like this trumpet playing. It's like dun dun dun. Yeah, dun. yeah. it's John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Now I remember that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, right. we'll go. With, we'll go with the beer one. So we're going. We're going with Stone Cold Steve Austin, the one beer, two beer. And we just got. You got to write that down just for my own record keeping. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, let's put that in there. So I will save that. Awesome. Okay. So now really diving into the portion of our show with the guest interview. Uh, want to start off to hear a little bit more about, I guess, you, Scott, and sort of like where you came from, uh, what you sort of did throughout college or uh, your undergrad career. Uh, in fact, even these past couple of years leading up to Marshall, as well as uh, what were sort of the decision points between or uh, behind you sort of deciding to come pursue your uh graduate degree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I grew up on the East Coast in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, there's actually another student in our class from there too. Um, and then there's the second years from there as well, um, which just blew my mind. We all went to the same high school. Oh, really? Uh, I, thought, but, I knew there's some North Carolina people, but not like literally same high school in North Carolina. Yeah, Jess Mark and I were uh, same high school. She was my brother's year. Holy shit. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I, I kind of, from a young age, always wanted to work in entertainment. Um, I thought I wanted to be like in deep creative side of entertainment. Um, so the goal was kind of to always get out West into LA. Um, but I wasn't really ready to go that far for undergrad, um, just go straight East coast to West coast. Um, so I kind of went halfway, uh, did my undergrad at the university of Texas in Austin, Go horns. Um, and ended up starting out as a film student. Um, went through a lot of those classes, really liked it, but I realized I just didn't have the um, kind of dedication that I thought I did for the creative side of film. Um, I just yeah. like couldn't sit in an editing room for 12 hours working on three seconds worth of footage or, you know, really trying to get the right angle for some type of shot for the production side of things. Um, so I ended up adding on another major in advertising um, and kind of pivoted a little bit of, I still want to work in entertainment, but let's actually kind of focus on the business side of it. Um, and so right after school, um, I wanted to save up a little bit of money to move out to LA. So I took a job in tech in Austin for roughly a year and a half, um, saved up enough money, and then finally got a call from a friend of mine to go work at an ad agency in LA. Um, and so they gave me three weeks to move out there, um, including a two-week notice before I started. So it was just a sprint to LA, wow. found a house, moved in. Um, and so I worked at an ad agency for WB's theatrical movies. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't a very long stint. Um, <laughs> but I do still have posters up of the movies I worked on. Um, the ones that I saw from like start to finish were Storks and Collateral Beauty. 
uh, some of WB's finest. Dorks. Dorks. Yeah, they, they, it's one of the, like their first uh, animated movies from like when they they split off into uh, Warner Animation Group or WAG for all their like kids movies. Um, and that was kind of like their first foray into that. Um, and then I started working on uh, Wonder Woman, King Kong, and Justice League. But unfortunately, they ended up switching agencies around that time. Um, and so I ended up going over to a company called UM, uh, which is part of Interpublic Group, um, and began working on Hulu um, for, this was about four years, um, helping to launch their like live, the Hulu Have Live sports campaign and kind of things like that. Um, and I hit a point where... I wanted to kind of do two things. Um, one of them was I saw kind of a need in the streaming space for a startup, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get going on kind of down the road. Yep. Um, and then I also wanted to expand a little bit out of strictly the advertising side of entertainment and marketing. Yeah. Uh, and so I kind of found the best opportunity for both of those to try to test the waters on both within grad school. Um, and so because I was still focused in entertainment and Obviously, USC is such a powerhouse in that field. Um, they were kind of one of the first choices I was looking at. Um, so that's what brought me to school. Um, and then just had such a great time uh, making some connections. I wanted to be on this podcast and talk <laughs> about it. So that's why I'm here. Well, I'm, I'm glad the interest in the podcast is sort of getting around because, I mean, everyone seems to be like really clamoring about it now that like I've watched these first few episodes here. Yeah. Um, so I guess going back a little bit in terms of uh, your sort of, I guess, crisis in undergraduate. So you went in thinking that you wanted to go head on to the creative side and sort of learned early on that maybe it wasn't all uh, <laughs> the best option for you. So um, I kind of want to walk through what's what sort of landed you on sort of picking advertising as sort of like the next step in terms of sort of uh, staying within entertainment, but sort of scaling back from that uh, creative focus you had? Yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of like I mentioned, I hit a point where I just didn't think I had kind of what it really took on the creative side. Um, I still do a little bit of writing just as a hobby yeah. uh, for fun. Um, but, you know, I don't really see anything ever coming of that. Um, but so when I, when I was trying to figure out like what's the practical like function within the entertainment industry that I can kind of pair with, this film degree of knowing how the industry works, but now needing something more on the business side. Um, my kind of first guts were advertising and marketing. Um, mm -hmm. They still combine a little bit of the creative elements that I liked about film, um, but they did get into much more kind of analytical pieces that you didn't see on that creative side. Um, and I think I probably would have considered marketing because it was a little bit broader, but advertising was actually in the, um, Com school at UT. Um, so switching into the advertising degree uh, was a lot just easier to add on. Um, yeah. And the prereqs were the same. So, so it kind of seemed like the easiest way to get both. Yeah, of okay. Makes sense. So you didn't have to go like starting from scratch, taking a bunch of gen edge classes for a totally different major. Right. And UT actually has a kind of a top advertising program anyway. So there's, there's draw to that as well. Awesome. Uh, and so in terms of like your advertising experience, you talk about storks and I guess early works on <laughs> King Kong and stuff. So um, just curious, because I mean, I know very little about like what an ad agency does or like what the actual work does. So were you involved in, I guess, sort of strategizing the rollout plans of the advertising or the actual uh, look and sort of uh, media formats that they were using? 
Yeah, so it's more so on the kind of partnerships and budget side. So when you when you look at like an ad agency, they're typically split up into kind of two groups. There's the creative side, which I think a lot of people think of first when you're advertising. Of yeah. like, I make the commercials, I do kind of some of the design for that the digital work. Um, but another big piece of it is is kind of called media planning. Um, and so what we do is we kind of act as I guess like consultants in a way where we vet all the different media partners there are out there. So like, why is Pandora better than Spotify or vice versa for whatever campaign it is. Um, okay. And so we look at like the audiences, we look at like, does their creative offerings like actually have any appeal? Um, and then do their rates make sense? Can we do something creative from a partnership perspective? Um, and then we take the budgets that they give us um, for like a movie or whatever it is, and then form it into a cumulative plan that um, at least for entertainment is a interesting and draws buzz um, and then b a really big piece is getting the right reach of the, kind of that demo yeah. um, mm -hmm. so like me reaching 85 year old men is probably not the most ideal thing for storks when you know that target market's like kids <laughs> um, so it's like what platforms are is going to be are those audiences going to be on and then like what creative will they be most receptive to so okay we kind of do that and then execute it um, for digital and TV and radio and any, any of those platforms. Damn. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot different than I guess what I was thinking of when you just said like ad agency. Yeah. Cause I was getting, I was learning, thinking way more on the creative aspect rather than I guess the strategic marketing almost. Right. Yeah. Most know. people kind of jump to that side first. Okay. Yeah. Definitely helpful to dive a little more into that one then. Uh, and so you said that you wanted to come to your MBA both to uh, sort of test the waters for a startup uh, thought as well as, uh, <laughs> uh, well, I guess we'll just start off with like, yeah, tell me more about this sort of like startup plan that you had coming into school at least. Yeah, I would love to. Uh, <laughs> no, you would. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when I was working at Hulu, um, I just kept noticing an issue in the streaming space where, um, especially in the last several years, you're seeing a lot of companies creating their own streaming platform. Um, bring all their like prime content in-house. Um, so like, as you can see with like Disney Plus and HBO Max and, and Peacock. Um, and it's Peacock. so the whole streaming space is getting so cluttered and content is so hard to accurately find um, that I thought there could be like a need for a kind of a platform that helps solve that. Um, and then there's all these like free services that people don't even know exist um, like Pluto or Tubi or like, all sorts of things like that, um, that might even have shows or movies that you're looking for for free. Mm -hmm. um, and you kind of just miss the mark and end up paying, you know, anywhere from like five to $20 to rent it. Yeah. Um, so I started kind of dabbling in how would that work um, before school and ended up building like a faux prototype of what is, it's effectively just a search and discovery tool. Um, so I called it Shopa, uh, S-H-O-W-P-A as like a kind of, I mean, honestly, I took TV guide, found acronym or synonyms for TV guide, show and Sherpa, and then mushed them together. Um, I, I was thinking about Sherpa when you like described it. I was like, it yeah, just sounds like yeah. a Sherpa who like, it like leads you. Yeah, it's sense. your show Sherpa. Um, and so the, the, the whole premise is you create an account and you list what services you have. And then the tool kind of aggregates all the TV shows movies that are out there and tells you, you know, what you have access to if you don't know what you want to watch. 
Um, here's a whole list of everything in one spot. Or if you do know what you want to watch, but don't know how to access it, you can then go to like a similar profile page for that show or movie. And then it'll list all the different available options of getting it. Okay. Um, so that's kind of the benefit for the user. And then from a business perspective, um, I, I started to kind of validate a little bit when I was working for Hulu's businesses, you know, these services are very hungry to find users that have outspokenly said that they have that service or that they haven't. Um, and then go after them either from like an acquisition perspective to try to steal away people from these other services, um, or to kind of go after the people that have their service and then get them interested in the, in other shows that are on it. Yeah. Um, so on the business side of things, I would go to these services and say, Hey, we have X amount of people who have your service. Um, you know, do you want to pay to actively, uh, advertise to them? Um, or try to promote them to get them onto your service. Um, and then like, that's kind of how the revenue would. So like yeah, the revenue cash would be coming from the actual streaming services, not from the people using the site or. Yep. Yeah. It would, it, it's similar to kind of any of the kind of network models um, that are ad based. Um, so free for people to use. I got to get enough people on board for the data to be worth it. Um, yep. And the streaming services would love to sink their teeth into it and then promote stuff on days that it's launched on that whole idea behind it awesome and then so coming to get your graduate degree you thought that i mean your assumption was that you could sort of form a network to help you sort of get this off the ground and running as well as like learn some i guess helpful tools on how to properly manage and run this as it scales yeah so like obviously i knew the ad space and i, I could tell you how to make a uh a pitch to any of these people that would be valuable from like a data perspective for them um yeah. but i knew very little about making a kind of financial model to like pitch for funding to VCs. Um, so a lot of those gaps on the other side, um, I've been trying to fill out through either clubs or, or classes. Mm -hmm. And so what made USC sort of the choice for you to come to in terms of uh, pursuing this? Yeah, they are an awesome mix of entertainment, tech, um, and kind of the VC space, at least for LA. Um, so I get to stay in LA, I get to continue making these connections that I would need. Um, from a tech side, there is a lot of opportunities through Viterbi and engineering school, um, which I actually was able to find a team of computer science students to help me build out a beta app that I'll be launching in a few months, hopefully. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Um, and then from like kind of the VC side of things and entrepreneurship side, um, the Lloyd Greif Center is like a subset of Marshall that has a ton of incubators, accelerator opportunities. The classes are top notch. Um, there's even a few opportunities to get funding from the school, um, which a lot of those I'm hoping to like tap into uh, next year. Are you t wait, are you telling me it's perhaps the Greif Center? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was like the Grief Center. <laughs> I thought it was the Grief Center this whole time. Yeah, <laughs> I made that mistake until pretty recently. Oh man. I was like, this has got to be like the worst thing to call like the entrepreneur center is just the right. center. <laughs> oh crap. Well, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> oh, but that's awesome. Yeah, I know. Uh, definitely can attest to uh, at least the, all, all the like entertainment locale and like the very lots of like VC options around here. So definitely makes sense for you not to have to uproot yourself once again and sort of, uh, go elsewhere. But uh, right. if it wasn't going to be USC though, were you thinking about other schools as well that might've like 
hit some of the same boxes, maybe not quite all of them though. Yeah, I mean, obviously UCLA does cover a lot of similar kind of pros. Um, I considered going back to Texas too. Um, they're a big tech kind of hub. Yeah. Um, but the, the more I talk to people, um, and I started to see this really shine through is going back to your undergrad for grad school, everyone just says has a much lesser impact or value prop, I guess, than, than going to a new school. Yeah. Um, I mean, even when I like go to the airport, like I can see someone in a Texas shirt and like give them a little hook em sign. I can't do it twice in a row because I went there twice, but now I can see yeah. people either that or USC gear um, and, you know, give them as much as I think the fight on is goofy compared to hook them. Uh, <laughs> I can still do that and strike those conversations, um, which has already proved so valuable. I mean, the fight on is just a peace sign. So I mean, <laughs> hook is just a heavy metal sign, isn't it? So yeah. Yeah. Facing the other way. So it's facing the other way. So what it's, yeah, it's facing your, your fingers are facing kind of outwards towards the other person instead of heavy metals kind of, Oh, you, but gotcha. otherwise mostly the same thing. It's a, yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a Freudian slip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. So yeah, definitely makes sense to, uh, from a network standpoint, why you wouldn't want to go back to, I guess, McCombs or UT just cause, um, you don't get to sort of tap into both markets because I imagine there's a fair amount of uh, Texas graduates all over the country. So uh, just as well as the USC grads travel. So why not have both markets to tap into instead of just one? Right. Um, so I about, I about, yeah, I think that about well covers like sort of like where you're from, why you're here and sort of uh, your interesting path, I guess, to be more in the foundational VC interest. Um, but you also mentioned that you were coming to grad school to, to almost have like a backup plan or like a second angle. So like the first angle was sort of like this whole Shopa and a uh, concept for a starting your own startup. But the other was, I guess, uh, more to like continue to build out the advertising or focus more on marketing. Yeah. It, it was trying to kind of get outside of, cause advertising is such a, is a subset of marketing anyway. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to pick up some of those other skill sets still related to entertainment industry um, but expand from just having an advertising experience um, so I still am actively kind of looking at part-time full-time positions afterwards um, if the startup route doesn't work out um, so I have been kind of recruiting with classmates on that front as well. well that's a good strategy then so that you don't end up <laughs> I mean, like everyone has kind of has their own strategy coming in but making sure that you sort of have an open-minded plan so that you aren't sort of trying to pigeonhole yourself too harshly is very right. helpful. Um, okay. But before we get more into, I guess, the weeds with some of these Marshall questions that I have for you, uh, we're now going to take time to go to our second segment of the day. Uh, so we did the soundboard research first. So now out of Florida man, birthday trivia song blitz and will you press the button? We're going to do which one? I'm going to, I'm going to see if I'm going to press the button. You'll see if you press the button. Okay. So for this one, Pretty much just go to the basic ass site, willyoupressthebutton.com, and then I'll go through these and sort of read a few off to you and see whether or not you are going to push button and see how you see how you match up with the audience actually, uh, since they give you a percentage score. Let's Perfect. See. Um, I, I tend to skip a few of these because some of these are a little bit much. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, so. This first one is you have the ability to seduce anyone on the planet, but you are hideous and disfigured. 
how disfigured are we talking? <laughs> I'm imagining like almost like Igor level, like or Quasimodo. Doesn't sound so bad. I mean, but you have the. I mean, he's a cartoon. <laughs> think, of like, like, think of like think of like Ethialtes from Three Hundred. Okay, I pick like a single person, and then no, no, no. you you have the ability them. to seduce anyone on the planet. Okay, that's like a, that's like a power you now have, I guess. And okay. it applies to everyone, but you are, but to you, I mean, you're, you're still hideous and disfigured. I mean, I'm not far away from being that anyway. So <laughs> I, I, think, I think I'll push it. <laughs> push the button. Uh, let's see. Out of 44,000, oh, out of like 60,000, uh, you're in the 40th percentile. So 40% 40 of people said that mm. they would push the button in that scenario. Well, 50% of people are less than the average on beauty so that, i mean it could be, <laughs> they're pushing the button anyway. they should be pushing it anyway <laughs> uh, a lot of egos Ooh, this is a good one uh you can obtain any superhero nah, you can obtain any sort of superhuman power you desire but everyone is aware of this power and want to take advantage of you for their own benefit yeah i'd, I'd push that still push it yeah, especially if I'm ugly. Then. <laughs> I don't think these are compounding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, you know, I know that's not the, the question isn't which one, but I would easily take teleporting because that's easily the best superpower. Everyone knows that. And then, oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that like your hot take? Is that teleporting is the best? Um, I, I don't think it's a hot take because it's, it's universally accepted, but. but <laughs> <laughs> oh. Not not like like indestructibility or anything like that. Oh no, no no no! Because I can just teleport away from anything that's gonna hurt me. That's true. Where you can teleport that person to the middle of space. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So in that one, seventy-eight uh, percent of people agree with that one, as they should. So yeah, far far away, an easy one. Um. <laughs> uh, this one's sort of like a. I don't know. If this one's gonna be as like easy of a selection for you or if you're going to give a shit about it, but uh, you get every piece of clothing that you want and it's stored in the gigantic wardrobe. But if someone finds out about your secret endless wardrobe, you'll never be able to wear clothes again. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how secret I have to hide this wardrobe. Uh, it sounds like some Narnia stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I fit most of my stuff in my closet anyway. I don't really get too crazy with it. Um, <laughs> I think just out of fear of someone walking into my room and, and finding my secret wardrobe, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to push it. I, I don't think I'll push it either. Just more out of fear than, <laughs> than anything. I else. mean, if we are compounding these, though, then I will definitely push it because I can just teleport my ugly ass away <laughs> from the situation. Point. <laughs> I'll have to look into whether I want to compound these in the future or not. Um, that one's actually pretty split. So that was 51% said no, 49% said yes. Um, this one's an interesting one. So this will be the last one. Okay. Uh, and it is push the button and you meet the love of your life, but you can only be and talk to each other for three weeks out of the year. Um... I don't think I'm going to push that. No? No. Nah, three weeks? That'd suck. 
I was like, how, how, what percentage of that is uh, the year? Three out of 52. So that's almost like uh, less than 4% of the year. Yeah, that's uh, a little, oh, almost like six. Yeah. Would be rough. What's the, uh, what was the, the take? That was uh, 65% of people didn't push the button. Okay. So you were getting the top two thirds for that one. There we go. Awesome. All right. <laughs> so now that we have all your compounded answers, <laughs> uh, we can now dive into a little bit more about your specific experience with Marshall. Now that we've sort of gone through your story about uh, why you came to Marshall and sort of uh, your journey in terms of your career so far. So uh, in terms of more, I guess uh, this could be either be from like a social perspective or even from a just like, uh, career building perspective, but what has been your favorite event or day at Marshall so far? Yeah, from a social perspective, I think it was the day we all did Korean barbecue as a as a prime group. Um, it, for anyone who's listening who who isn't part of USC, you know the prime experience is the, the international trip we do first years do at the end of their year, um, and unfortunately ours got canceled this year um which was kind of, of unavoidable but we know yeah because of the virus um but our group that was assigned to go to seoul um we all before the kind of the lockdown happened we all went to do korean barbecue together um and then just kind of go out in koreatown um, so we kind of made our own little mini prime night that night yeah um, i remember that yeah. oh yeah <laughs> that was a lot of fun that was a lot a lot of soju a lot of soju a lot of meat <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. We all smelled like meat for a couple of days. Um, I've had I so much Korean barbecue since moving to LA. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that was kind of the best from a, definitely from a social perspective. Okay. Um, let's see. And in terms of, I guess, classes and clubs. So which sort of classes and clubs have you found the most impactful in sort of uh, laying the foundation or preparing you for your sort of future into like doing startups and uh, working with uh, VC? Yeah, from a club perspective, um, BEA, which is the entertainment one, yep. uh, GMA, which is the marketing functional one, and then EVMA, which is the entrepreneurship and kind of VC uh, industry one. Um, those three together have been super valuable. Um, obviously, BA from from learning um, more about the industry that I didn't know about before and, and making mm -hmm. some great connections. Um, the marketing one, obviously, for helping to market my own business, but also um, because it is a business that's kind of based in the marketing industry anyway. Um, and then obviously, EVMA kind of goes without saying of, of trying to find other people who are interested in the startup space, um, put you in touch with the right connections. And, and a lot of those people I met were the ones that helped me find the team of computer science undergrads that oh, really help me build it out. So I'm super indebted to kind of that club too, for at least from the startup perspective. So that wasn't you just sort of like walking over to like the engineering building and sort of like putting up wanted posters or anything. Yeah. I just kidnapped five students. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. They, they put me in touch with the right people, at the Grife center who put me in touch with, the right people at um, the Blackstone Launchpad, who then put me in touch with the right people at Turby, who then wow. told me about your science class. Like it's a whole chain of events. Um, uh, That's crazy. Yeah. Find wow. out kind of the right resources that I needed. 
that's quite a journey just to like find like a, a team to sort of build out this app for you. That's pretty awesome that you managed to yeah. do that in such a short amount of time too. Yeah, it's been great. I, I especially now knowing kind of how some of these networks work, um, being able to like tap into them second year um, to really kind of scale this out of what I'm working on. Yeah, you already be like rehearsing sort of the hurdles to expect now going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so, are there any sort of uh, going off of that or any sort of like clubs or events that you didn't manage to do that you wish you had done in the first yeah. year that you might yeah, come around I mean, back around to 70,000 clubs. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we all find out in the first two months, you can't make it through all of them. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> some, something I kind of would have liked to have been involved with is um, kind of more through the finance as well as the consulting and strategy clubs. Um, I didn't join them because at least kind of recruiting wise, I wasn't that focused in those industries. Yeah. Um, but they do a lot of really good trainings and overviews, um, especially because those are kind of gaps that I have that would have been probably pretty helpful to attend. Mm-hmm. Is this from, I guess, like the strategy perspective or from like the interviewing and sort of case prep and stuff? Uh, more so from just like the strategy perspective, you know, okay. like how do you actually build out um, kind of a financial model mm-hmm. like to pitch for like uh like seed funding and stuff like that oh gotcha so a little bit beyond just like making your dcfs and stuff more like <laughs> right actually writing up business plans and yeah having yeah, go-to-market strategies MA classes is, is, doesn't help me too much on that front because <laughs> when i'm working with such little uh little capital on my end <laughs> <laughs> yeah how many how many zeros are you working with <laughs> Negative. <laughs> <laughs> Sent zeros. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I guess the last question I have for you today is uh, now that we're going to be second years very soon, which is still kind of crazy to sort of wrap our heads around because it feels like we sort of blitzed through this entire year. But what are you most excited to either sort of witness from the other side of the fence as a second year or even something that you saw the second years do that you're looking forward to? getting a chance to do this year or next year? Yeah. Um, I'd say it's like two things, like from the selfish side of stuff, I'm really excited for having full um, control of my classes. Um, so like we got core classes, most of them out of the way in the fall, but you still have half of them in the spring. Um, now I can start to really take what is most valuable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so very pumped from that. Um, but kind of from like a giving back perspective, um, really excited to help, first years kind of figure out what's valuable to them, what's not, put them in touch with the right people. Um, I mean, something I saw when I first interviewed at USC, um, the student who interviewed me um, for trying to get in, I was kind of mentioning I was interested in the entrepreneurial side of things and his roommate was heavily involved in this EVMA club and I hadn't even gotten into the school yet. And he's like, let me put you in touch with him. So I spoke with him on the phone a couple of days later um, and he was like, yeah, I know you haven't gotten in yet, but um, I know this professor in um, kind of the entrepreneurship side of classes I can put you in touch with. Would you like to meet him? And I was like, this is amazing. Wow. Um, so just like this chain of kind of giving back that I saw before I even got into the school uh, was awesome. Um, and so that's something I kind of really want to focus on a little bit once we get back in the fall. For sure. And I know that if there's any people on this podcast that are listening, they're interested in VC. Uh, your info will probably be attached to it as well. So people can sort of reach out to you yeah. so you can get started on that front too. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, that and anyone who's interested in the entertainment space, uh, 
how some of that stuff works. Uh, more than happy. Yeah, because I know you went, you touched upon like a little bit with the advertising, but I know that you definitely have some more insight into a lot more of how it works now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. So uh, that about wraps up the questions that I had for you related to Marshall. So we'll be approaching the end of our show now, but as like, uh, before we wrap up, as a thank you for sort of joining the show and uh, being a part of it and getting to share your story, uh, I want to give you another minute or so to sort of have your own plug. Uh, so the, take take the time to sort of uh, talk about whatever you want. You can continue to plug Shopa if you. Oh, that's, if that's what you're going for. Uh, but yeah, just let people know what you're what you're thinking. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to plug the startup. Um, go check out the website Shopa S H O W P A. Um, you can sign up to be on like a mailing list. Um, and then if anyone's interested in um, kind of either internship or consulting projects for it for the summer. Um, as students or just want to know more about it, more than welcome to reach out to me. Um, Cause I could definitely use a hand over the summer trying to get it scaled once it gets going in a couple months. Gotcha. And I'll, I'll make sure to note that uh, you can also find the site that you mentioned in the, the details for the show as well. So yeah. I'll be yeah. sure to add that in there too for you. And then finally, before we close out for the night, uh, you have your selection of the song of the night. So what do you, what are you going to have us play out to today? Yeah, I, so I'm going on a run right after this. And for the last like week or so, this has been my pre-run amp up song. Cause it's such like an eighties sounding, just old school workout song. So I'm going to go with Dua Lupa's physical. Ooh, I think someone, I think someone might've already picked physical, but wait, really? Yeah, I think someone did. Oh, that song slaps. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can go with it again. As yeah. long, like I was only, I was gonna say I, I wasn't gonna take any like dual requests, but that was because Kit picked fucking um, "All I Do Is Win" by DJ Khaled, and I was just so like butthurt by that that I was like, I right, find no 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 duplicates. But as long <laughs> as it's not that one again, I think I'm fine with it. <laughs> I gotta get I gotta get hyped to to get going. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> So picture <laughs> myself in a mall, like little workout aerobics room to the song, just getting, getting going. Do you have like the leg warmers and everything? Oh, leg warmers, leotard. I put a mullet on when I run. Yeah. <laughs> it's, instead of putting on a hat, just put on a fake yeah. mullet. Mask and a mullet. It looks great. The Tiger, the Tiger King special. All right. So that's all the time we have for today, folks. I've been your host, Fedge McDermott. And once again, I want to thank you, Scott, for joining us on the show. It was great to sort of hear, hear your side of the story and hear where you're going with things here at Marshall. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been a blast. And then to close out tonight's show, we have, for probably the second time now, uh, Physical by Dua Lipa. So that's all the time we have for today, folks. And we'll see you later. When I got you next to me
Adrenaline.